0: Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast where we hear stories of people who are making time in their lives to make a difference in this world. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. This week we talked to pastor, author, and blogger Kathy Escobar who left her job as a pastor at a mega Church to find God in the small spaces.
1: And I'm so afraid all the time, and I've put myself out there and nurtured this little dream. i done a lot of other things that way, too, and some of them have worked and some of them haven't.
0: Before we jump into this week's podcast, I want to remind you that taking care of ourselves is key to taking care of this world. However, it is unbelievably difficult to find the time to get to a yoga studio or to a gym, and no one likes being surrounded by a bunch of strangers while working out. You could work out at home but it's nearly impossible to stay motivated and let's be honest, searching for good options on YouTube is enough to make you want to give up before you start. I've got good news, TDH Virtual Experience has got you covered. Experience a class setting virtually on your terms. Enjoy yoga, boogie fit, dance fitness, and even ballet and tap dance classes simply by logging into your account. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions and receive personal answers. You will be part of a fun and supportive community without leaving your home. This is the best of both worlds and the best part, it's for everyone, anywhere, anytime and it starts at just $25 a month. Wanna check it out? Go to thedancinghouse.com and start your two week free trial today. No credit card is required and new classes are added every week. That's thedancinghouse.com. Proud supporters of Jesus Never Ran, And of dreamers everywhere. This episode represents something extremely important and something that's close to my heart. It represents the story of someone who found herself discouraged and disenchanted with church. Now, church is just a place that's filled with people trying to follow God, but we all have different ideas and thoughts and processes when we're going through that. So, Sometimes church leaves people feeling hurt, and I know that's my story on some level. I can relate to it, and I can relate to Kathy's story. Early on, the modern evangelical church, it was what I lived for, and it was where my passion and my purpose completely resided. I poured all of myself into it. Now, however, some 20 years later, I look back with a little bit of a what-the-hell-happened attitude. How did this thing I loved so much become the thing that, honestly, now I probably struggle with more than anything? It's not that I'm not for church. It's not that I don't desire church. It's that it, it consumes this space in my mind that can be really challenging at times. And I run into people that have similar stories all the time. People who have been a part of church, been involved with church, given a lot of their lives to church, and then something happened or a relationship happened or a disappointment happened, and they end up now disconnected from that thing that they so loved early on. The easy thing to do really in any situation is to run away. What I love about Kathy's story is that that's not what she did. She just took a different perspective of it. But before we get too far, let's hear a little bit about who is Kathy Escobar?
1: Well, I am a mom. I am a pastor of a Christian community and mission center. I write, I speak. Probably my biggest thing in the world is just being an advocate and friend, walking alongside people in all the stuff of real life, whatever that looks like, the highs and the lows and everything in between.
0: It's so tempting when we're asked that question, who are you to say, well, I am what I do. I am my profession, but we're so much more than that. And I love that Kathy alluded to yeah, she's a pastor but she's a pastor who loves walking alongside of people in the highs and lows and everything else and that is so true that's what she does so uniquely well and that's what identifies who she truly is all of our stories come from somewhere and so I really wanted to hear from Kathy where did you come from and how did you become this person you currently are
1: well, I was not raised in a Christian family, and so I've got a kind of a wild and crazy wacky family <laughs> with lots of oh, divorce and alcoholism and depression and just overall brokenness. So I was seeking always to be connected to something bigger than me. And uh, when I uh, found Jesus, I kind of found it in a real, him in a really personal way through somebody giving me a little Bible and reading the Jesus stories and just being strangely drawn. So I say this because I was not um, churched. It was really pure at the beginning. Then over time, I went to college and got married and my husband went to church. And so I started going. We went to a pretty rigid, evangelical, uh, conservative, Bible-based churches is kind of what we went to. And when I started going into the system, I started um, doing what I had learned best to do in my family, and that was conform and be the good girl and just do whatever you needed to do to do it well. And so I became like the super Christian for a long time. And what that looks like is just kind of doing the right things, saying the right things, learning the right things. And problem was inside in my soul, even though I had a relationship with Jesus, it was really shame-based and fear-based, and it wasn't working.
0: I think this is the big black eye of the Christian church throughout history. It's this idea that we're not good enough or that we have to do specific things to fit in. And if we don't fit in, we don't belong. When I read the story of Jesus, I see the exact opposite. I see a man who went out of his way to prove that that is not how it is. He went out of his way to break the the religious rules of the time, and he went out of his way to make sure that the religious leaders saw that he was breaking the rules of the time. So how do we take that Jesus and say, oh yes, he obviously wants me to be a part of this shame-based thing that gets people to follow along based on fear that is the exact opposite of what jesus stands for one of my favorite stories jesus heals this guy of blindness and he does it by wiping mud on his eyes i mean this story is is crazy in so many ways but the part that i want to i want to grab onto is after he He heals him. After he rubs this mud on his eyes, he tells the guy to wash it off in a pool. And in order for the man to get to that pool, he would have had to walk through this Jewish ceremony on the Sabbath and go to their ritual healing pond to wash his eyes off of. Can you imagine all of these Jewish religious leaders seeing this man just fumbling his way along, trying to make his way to the pool, and he goes to their sacred pool and washes all of this mud off into it, and then he's healed and he tells everybody that Jesus told them to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew he was breaking all of the rules in God's name. And so that is the story of a person and of a God that I want to follow. And that is a God that Kathy started to realize is true and is real and is honest.
1: I was in this little experimental women's group in a conservative Baptist church in San Diego and I just the the facilitator was in in uh, studying to be a therapist and she just facilitated it in an amazing way and I just began to be honest for the first time about what I really struggled with, things that I was wrestling with from my past, shameful things I had done and were done to me and what I really felt inside. And when that happened, that truth came out, healing, like it was just totally new healing. And I began to not be so divided. But when that happened, I also started to rock the boat in the churches I was in because didn't really like that honesty and uh, wanted more Bible and more of the Christian good girl that I had been so good at. So that was a long time ago, but it's been my experience for many, many years um, of just trying to bring a level of honesty to church that is sorely missing. And every time it should not be revolutionary. It should not be at all that big of a deal. But for whatever reason, Every experience until starting The Refuge, which is now 13, it's always been met with a lot of resistance.
0: This would be a perfect spot for a pity party. We could all just stand around, raise our hands and say, yeah, me too. I can't be honest in church. Yeah, me too. I don't get the questions answered that I want in church or the conversations that I want in church. But that's not what Jesus stands for. Jesus isn't pity party Jesus. Jesus is do something about it, Jesus. And so when we look at this situation, I love what Kathy does. She doesn't say, woe is me. She simply asks, why?
1: I think it's the system, the container has norms. And uh, you adapt to the norms. People adapt to the norms. And so for me, just watching good Christian women take care of their husbands in a certain way, take care of their families a certain way, aren't loud, aren't disruptive, don't lead, um, don't speak their mind in a way that's free. Don't get mad for sure. Don't get mad. Uh, All those things are like a cultural norm in the system. And, you know, I have a book, Faith Shift, that is centered on people who um, kind of come out of rigid systems and try and find their way to greater freedom, mystery, and diversity in their faith. And all of us have the same thing kind of at the beginning in a fused faith, a fused system. And there's just a level of certainty and conformity and affiliation. So like things are very black and white. there's you conform to the norms and you are part of something that is tells you kind of what to believe and what to do. And I just think it's a systems thing. It's how systems run and it's how people the church was built on that. Uh, we all know that it started free and full and expansive, and then it just got really narrow over the years. And in different ways, not all expressions, but this expression I was sort of born into that system is just pretty narrow. And I think that it's just the way that it was. It's it's a lot is built on um, hierarchical leadership. You know, I would say patriarchal leadership, where it just doesn't have that freedom and equality and expansiveness that really my my heart was originally longing for and you just don't know because there aren't very many options like they're just that was just what was in front of us and so I think that that's probably true for a lot it's just the way it is and I gave up I questioned some things way back then because I came from a really inclusive family and kind of wide views of God it wasn't Christian but it had kind of a longing for something bigger than us. And so I have to say, it's so strange to me, like how once I started going, it's just what you hear. It's how people talk. It's what you hear every week. It's what you study at Bible study. So it's just a narrow thing that it's because everyone else is doing it and saying it and believing it. And so you just kind of get in that stream and don't realize that there's this big ocean out there.
0: What great perspective. It's not a perspective that says, church is horrible, run away. It's a perspective that says, church has become a system. In a lot of ways, it has had to become a system to manage what has become over the last several thousand years. And systems in and of themselves are not bad, but they can create obvious struggles. I love so many things about our modern church. I was just reading about a church that paid off millions of dollars in medical bills for people they didn't even know. I mean, I'm a part of a church that sends hundreds of people all around the world to help people with clean drinking water, to rebuild houses, to do such incredible work. So church isn't bad, it's just not perfect. And so let's continue to ask the question, okay, what's the next step? Let's not just throw it all out because there's some things that we don't like about it. Let's ask the hard questions. Okay, where can we go from here? And I think what we have to unfold is a space where we can doubt, a space where we can ask the questions that we have, and a space where we don't have to pretend that we're somebody that we're not. My story is a story that can relate a bit with Kathy's story. I found myself in a space where I was asking questions and it wasn't looked upon kindly because they weren't the right questions. Now, early on in my faith, I was so thankful for the systems of the church because I didn't know how to live a Christ-filled life. I didn't know how to live a godly life. And there were systems in place to show me how to get going with that. But eventually, when I started doubting things and when I started questioning things, I was just kind of pushed aside and those questions weren't dealt with in the way that I wish they could have been. Look, this world is a hard place to live in a lot of ways and we need to be able to have this space where we can ask hard questions. And we need to have the space where we can ask hard questions about our faith. There's times when I'm reading the Bible where my mind is spinning because I don't get it and that doesn't seem like the God that I read about over here. There's times when I just question, okay, how far does God's love go because it seems like throughout our church history that we're saying that God's love has limits but I don't feel that's what Jesus stands for. I hope that you'll join me in a bit of a movement, and I hope that Jesus Never Ran will be part of this movement, that we're going to be a church moving into the future that allows for questions, that allows for vulnerability, that allows for a space where all are welcome and all have a voice and everybody can feel safe because the love of Jesus and the grace of God covers us all. All right, well, this story is nothing if we don't hear the whole process. So let's hear how Kathy went from struggling with the system to becoming part of the system and then changing the system.
1: So I was on a big church staff for two years, completely unexpectedly. I have a master's degree in organizational development and management. It's kind of the Stream that I was in, and then I went to Denver Seminary, working on a uh, first as a therapist. I'm a terrible therapist because I always want to connect people to people outside of the room who ha- share a similar story. So I switched over to spiritual direction and have a certificate in that, which is really journeying with people through their their the shifts that happen in faith, and you need to, somebody to walk with you. So. Given that that was my background, I ended up on a big church staff as an associate care pastor and then an adult ministry pastor really tasked with kind of creating what I spoke about earlier related to healing community, honest, real, raw, vulnerable, broken, messy, desperate, and finding hope um, in God and through our shared stories. And so what's fascinating about the story for me is that those two years were really forming for me because I really was in my zone in terms of what I loved and cared about. But I was also in a very patriarchal, hierarchical system as a female evangelical pastor, which is weird. And uh, so having that opportunity was really um, life-changing for me, but I didn't realize how much resistance was underneath in the system to that. And people really loved me there and I'm grateful for the opportunities. But when I spoke on a weekend at a regular service, not in just a recovery, the recovery church part where there were 250 addicts and men and women who were trying to figure things out, like I, I preached there all the time. But when I preached at the big church, everything fell apart. It was really fascinating how like, that's not okay. So what happened out of that was all kinds of weird power things that aren't necessarily to go, you know, to go into, it was not about just speaking on a weekend. It was about a shift in leadership. And when that shift in leadership, we had a pastor who had a moral failure and got left and then a vacuum of leadership I had a friend who came in to the community as a teaching pastor and really shared a lot of the same values related to equality and um, messy real life. And so we both made the shift out of the church at the same time with a huge leadership shift, really advocating for some of those things, equality, greater freedom, and more honesty and transparency in our real lives and not so much the show. And so we planted the refuge out. We went from a mega church, you know, 4,000 people to this little wacky, egalitarian, honest, conversational, eclectic with recovery in its roots community. And it really was a dream. I have to say, I really thank him because he, I was adult ministry pastor one woman with eight guys on that senior team. And he he was the one that really shared with me the possibility of just co-pastoring and really nurturing and leading a community in my gifts. And so we planted the refuge really out of a lot of pain.
0: A lot of times we feel as if we have to completely heal before we move into whatever God has for us. But Kathy's story shows that that's not true. She went through a lot of life just struggling with faith, struggling with church, struggling with the reality of her situation. and Nobody would have faulted her if she would have just stopped and taken some time to decompress and figure out, okay, what happened and now what? But she's so passionate about this. She is so passionate about people following God together that she just went right from one to the next. She went right from this mega church into her little beautiful faith community called The Refuge. And it's because it was birthed out of pain and out of hurt that I believe it's been so successful. If you're a person that's just waiting around for complete healing to happen before you jump into whatever you feel God has for you, maybe you have to rethink that a little bit. now. Kathy's story is a story where she moved forward in the midst of her hurt and because of her hurt in a lot of ways. And as I said, that's part of what makes the refuge such a beautiful community, but that doesn't mean it was easy because doing something different is challenging for sure.
1: I always say we need to give people what they need and not what they want. And, We were giving people what we thought they needed. That was deeper connection, conversational church, unplugged, uh, very vulnerable and raw. And the truth is so many people wanted just to go to church and go home. And so they migrated back to big church or other churches and the refuge continued to shrink in the early years. I always laugh about it. It's like the first day there's all these people and then we made everybody talk at tables and then half the people came back the next week. And then we did weird, you know, experiential exercise like taking off your shoes and being barefoot and experience through that. And then another half wouldn't come the next week. <laughs> but in the end, what we got, was a really core group of people who were really committed to living out something different.
0: Do not miss that point. When we have a dream and a vision that we're going after, we often will take on this attitude of, come one, come all, this is the greatest thing ever. You need to be a part of it. But just because God is doing something in your heart doesn't mean that he's going to do the same thing in everybody else's heart. Look, I believe that Jesus never ran is for everybody. I think everybody should be a part of this podcast and a part of what's going on here, but that's not reality. There's some people that this just does not resonate with. And if I invite them in on it and I kind of force them into this thing, it's not going to be good for anybody. And I've seen it over and over and over, and I've experienced it over and over and over. When you get the wrong people on the team, it doesn't go very well. It can actually hinder you in the long term. So just trust that whatever it is that you're putting out there in the world, whatever God is launching through you, trust that he is going to help you identify the people that need to be a part of it. And that is not everybody. So from here, I went on to ask Kathy. I, I always love to hear people's stories. And so I, I started to ask her stories about people in her beautiful little community, some of those core group people who started coming. And, uh, and it was really great to hear about it. But then... She talked about what I'm going to let you listen to next, and it just messed with my mind.
1: What we try and see is the long story of healing, and this is just such a miss in the church because it takes a long time. I always just say, you know, start with a decade, see what happens in a decade and so no one wants to think in decades we want to think in days and weeks and months and that's it and so then it's like oh my gosh they're still like weird and in the corner looking down you know what is wrong they're not doing something right I'm just like yeah just give it a decade let's see what happens
0: give it a decade are you kidding me Oh, that is so hard for my mind to comprehend because I always want things to move fast. I am a person that has an idea and I want it to run fast. Things take time. Dreams take time. Healing and restoration takes time. There's going to be some exceptions to that rule. Absolutely. There's going to be moments when things move really fast and things unfold really quick. But Jesus Never Ran, even though this is fairly new, it took a decade to launch this thing. The initial idea of Jesus Never Ran came from a sermon series that I I preached a decade ago, and it just stuck in my mind, and I knew it was going to be something, but I had to wait and wait for the right time for it to unfold. And now that it has, I'm just so blessed by it. But it did take a decade. So even though I don't like that comment that Kathy just said, it's a reality in my life as well. As you're allowing something to unfold, as you're allowing a dream to unfold, as you're waiting for restoration to happen, just be patient because it's going to be better if we allow it to unfold naturally. Good things come to those who wait. So don't push ahead harder than you need to there's times when you just get in front of yourself and in front of god and that's when bad things happen so be careful not to push too hard and make sure that you allow things to unfold give it a decade kathy didn't stop challenging my mind there she just kept on rolling
1: how do i love about jesus one of my favorite things is jesus was a total failure in the world's eyes. Total failure. I mean, it didn't, it was super inefficient. It was ineffective. People were super confused. Like it just didn't match up with what they measured in terms of success. And what we measure now, to be honest, we measure everything in worldly terms. And they're all about uh, big and wow and strength and efficiency and a successful nonprofit and you know all these things that really are um, bad measures and so in the kingdom of God the measure is just upside down.
0: Jesus has this habit of flipping everything on its head. You've heard it said, but I say, he just goes out of his way to turn things upside down. And so keep that in mind as you're unfolding your story that sometimes you're going to sense that you need to do things that don't make a lot of sense from a worldly perspective, but they make all sorts of sense in your heart and in your mind. And that's okay because in so many ways, that's what Jesus stood for. So I ask everybody, what advice do you have for somebody who has a dream, who has a vision, who has an idea, but they're scared to just take that first step?
1: Well, the first thing I'd say is I'm so glad you are listening to that. That is God in you speaking. And so keep that channel open. Like, listen. The second thing I would say is tell somebody. Tell somebody. Say it out loud. Because when we bring things out into the light and into the open, you never know, like, what gets fanned into flame. Like, usually when it's stuck inside of us. And we all have them. And we all evaluate them and say, oh, it's not possible or "Oh, maybe that's selfish or that would us be what God wanted. I mean, we have so much like noise in our heads, so much fear of failure. Um, not everybody has this, but most people I know and a lot of, you know, I'm not worthy or I, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. I need this to do it. I'm not like that person. tons of comparisons. And when and that all that stuff stuck inside of us means that we will not move something forward. And so, starting to acknowledge the dream, that seed needs nurturing. A seed in the ground doesn't just automatically sprout. You have to water it and nurture it and tend to it and honor it and um, take really good care of it as it comes out of the ground. And so I always just think of the word nurture and tenderness in this moment. And so um, really nurturing it requires time, but you got to say it and own it. Any dream that you try and cultivate is worth it because people will be, um, somehow good things will happen. You'll work on healing and formation and transformation and it's the, the beauty is in the process not so much the outcome and that's easy to say when you know you're uh, observing from afar but the truth is is that that's where it happens the juice happens in the actual doing and trying and experimenting and practicing and falling down and getting back up and feeling really vulnerable feeling really stupid feeling like is it really worth it and I would just say if we can Really, really go. This is about the process, and this is my dream, and God put it in there, and it's worth trying.
0: For Kathy Escobar, walking like Jesus meant asking all sorts of questions even when she wasn't getting the answers. It meant giving up something that was big and successful to go after something that was small and meaningful. If you want to help those who are hurting, You have to get off of your high horse. Kathy has authored three books Come With Me, Down We Go, and Faith Shift. You can find them all at her website at kathyescobar.com and also be sure to follow her blog. To learn more about her spiritual community called The Refuge, go to therefugeonline.org. As always, if you need help getting from where you are to where you're going, Hop on jesusneverran.com and join the walking club, and we will walk together toward our dreams. Next time, we take a break from our interviews and dig into that story about Jesus healing the blind guy with the mud. Tune in next week.